Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, today joined by Dr. John Indris. So let's get straight into the news. And this is a story which just made me laugh when I first heard about it. The government is thinking about creating a new state-owned enterprise, a new SOE. This one will be an SOE in charge of SOEs. So the idea is that after the next election, if the government is still in power, the current uh, Department of Public Enterprises will be dissolved. And instead, government will create a state-owned enterprise they call Holdco, which will basically hold um, uh, control of, of uh, a couple of the SOEs, Centex, Safcol, Industrial Development Corporation, the Development Bank of Southern Africa, and a soon-to-be-created property company. They will uh, then, the, the control of SOEs such as ESCOM, Transnet, Danal, and the SABC, which are considered by government to be in the worst shape, will be uh, left to report directly to ministers who are in charge of those areas. So, for example, ESCOM will now only report directly to the Minister for Minerals and Energy. Now, on the surface, I think that this has got some positives to it. I think there's kind of been silly up till now, the structure we've had, which had the SOEs uh, uh, reporting to like three different ministers in the case of ESCOM. Uh, but... I can see a lot of things going wrong with this, and I really don't think a state-owned enterprise is the way to fix the management of the state-owned enterprises we already have. It's not solving the, the particular problems which are to do with things like catered deployment. John, do you agree with me? Uh, what's your take on this mess? Yeah, I think uh, mostly if you're trying to find some positives within that, um, it is what you mentioned. In other words, uh, you've got mixed lines of responsibility at the moment with, the, with many of the parastate holes. Uh, that has led, I think, to a lot of uh, mandate confusion, uh, to a lot of bad coordination, and some bad outcomes from some of the really important parastatals in South Africa. So the hold co might solve some of those problems because there'll be a single reporting line instead of multiple reporting lines. But ultimately, it doesn't get, get to the heart of the matter, which is that the SOEs are mostly unprofitable, uh, mostly losing money, and mostly the reason for that is precisely that they are subject to the whims and vagaries of cadre deployment, of political interference from ministers, and also, of course, um, the mandates of transformation in the state, uh, which lead to problems in procurement and in staff appointments. So as long as you don't solve those problems, you're not going to really fix these organizations. And secondly, of course, what is missing from this equation entirely is the question of privatization. Um, so, you know, can you get the private sector in to take ownership of some of these SOEs, run them better, um, and accept that they should be run profitably or at least break even. And if they cannot do that, then uh, some of these should not exist. The news story reporting on this actually had a table showing, and this was based off of a parliamentary question asked of Praveen Gordhan, about the amount of money spent since 2018, the 2018 financial year, of uh, how much money has been spent on on SOEs and how much they've given back. Uh, the South African forestry company is the only one that has given back basically to the fiscus with about a million rand, uh, whereas we've spent hundreds of millions of rands bailing out ESCOM, Danel, SAA, Transnet. Uh, so obviously there's a huge problem in ISOEs. I think we all know that they're in a complete state of collapse. Um, and it's quite obvious that we don't have the state capacity at the moment to run these organizations. They need, the important stuff needs to be partners with, partnered with the private sector, and we need to find new solutions before we can even consider another SOE. Um, one suspects this is just going to be another patronage network. Exactly. No, I, I'd like to raise a point that I read in a book a while ago, and I can't find the place anymore. Uh, it was about Margaret Thatcher and her arguments about privatization. 
And she said that there were three reasons you wanted to do it. Firstly, if you sell a state-owned company, you get revenue from the sale. So you can use that to pay down your debt and just get your, your state finances into slightly better shape. Secondly, if they've been loss-making, you don't have to cover the losses anymore um, because you're not going to bail them out if they're not owned by the state. So you're saving money on, on bailouts. And thirdly, if they are turned around and become profitable, they start paying taxes to the state. So they actually generate revenue for you instead of being you know, a, a black hole that you have to sink public monies into. So there's a triple benefit, uh, and that is one that we're not realizing even with this new approach. Definitely. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. And on the weekend, on Sunday night, we had another one of President Ramaphosa's addresses to the nation. The president talked about the outcome of the Lady R Commission. This was uh, because the American ambassador, the ambassador from the US, um, uh, accused us of selling weapons to Russia uh, on board a Russian ship called the Lady R, which docked in a military base in Simonstown in South Africa. There were lots of reports about things being loaded onto the ship. So Ramaphosa, in response to this, set up a commission of inquiry to look into this and find out whether, in fact, we had given arms to Russia. He said the panel had established that the ship had docked in Simonstown to deliver equipment which had been ordered for the South African National Defense Force in 2018, that we didn't give any arms to Russia, um, and that all of this was uh, false reporting, mistake, and... Uh, uh, you know, we we're not we didn't do what we were accused of. However, he did say that due to national security reasons, the full report was not going to be made available to the public. Only an executive summary. John, um, I am not sure what happened with the Lady R, but I am rather skeptical that there are serious national security concerns here. Maybe there are. Maybe I'm just being difficult. But I don't know. What is your take on this? Also, not entirely convinced. I must say. Um, and we, we are probably going to get to the point in South Africa uh, someday where we'll have to appoint a commission of inquiry into commissions of inquiry, most of which serve to serve mainly, uh, seem to serve mainly to uh, exonerate uh, public officials who are remiss in their duties, if we can put it that way. Uh, so in this case, yeah, I'm, I'm also not, not, not really convinced by the uh, non-release of the report. And I think that there probably was something untoward that was going on. Uh, this is the way to hide it. You uh, pretend to investigate it and bring the facts out into the open, but you don't really do that. You're effectively just introducing another stage of trust me uh, when I tell you what, uh, what is going on. Uh, and yeah, I think our government is not entirely trustworthy on this. So I still think that there's, there probably was something that was loaded onto those ships that caused embarrassment to the government especially when it was used by the American ambassador uh, in such a public fashion as he did in May at the press conference. Right. The American ambassador, I believe, said uh, to journalists that he would bet his life uh, that, that South Africa had, had given weapons to Russia, which is quite something to say. Unusual for a diplomat. Diplomats usually speak in very wishy-washy, fiddly language that, can't, that can be interpreted a thousand different ways. Um, mm. And I think it's also worth bearing why uh, uh, some people, myself included, don't really give the government a lot of um, uh, benefit of the doubt here. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, the government is behind closed doors, I think, pretty uh, favorable towards Russia. Um, a lot of their rhetoric and worldview fits into the idea that they, the, that Russia is an anti-imperialist force. They also have this um, 
you know, we have this we have this view of of the U.S. as an evil country that's that's common, I think, in a lot of ANC circles. And we've held military exercises with countries like China and Russia. In fact, even this year. Um, so it's a little bit like someone called Max Steele's a lot, who constantly talks about how stealing isn't so bad, is accused of a crime. Uh, you can see why people are suspicious in the first place. Exactly. And I think that there might be a way to combine the two on a narrow reading of the terms. Um, so it might maybe that weapons were not what was loaded, uh, but some sort of other military equipment or components, uh, you know, that, that would fit the bill of being dodgy without literally being weapons. Uh, and I suspect something like that probably went on here. Well, I'm sure eventually we'll find out, but probably only in a couple of years' time, the way these things go. Okay, let's move on to our last story for today. And this is about the city of Johannesburg's electricity network, which is under a fair amount of strain. There's been significant capital underinvestment in the city of Johannesburg. There's also been a lot of vandalism. There's been a lot of corruption. All these things have degraded the quality of, of uh, the electricity network in Johannesburg, so much so that city power is really struggling at the moment due to lots of outages caused sometimes by people stealing stuff, sometimes by old equipment breaking. Um, and also adding to the fact that on stage four and stage six load shedding, a lot of uh, uh, city power's infrastructure has to be turned on and off manually uh, to comply with load shedding. There are about 4,000 electrical faults being logged a day um, when there's major load shedding which also causes more uh, degradation to the network. And City Power says that they're only able to attend to about 800 a day. In fact, City Power went so far as to say that the network is on the brink of collapse. And one of the major problems is that 60% of Joburg's substations still require manual switching. So in other words, when you're going to be load shed, some guy has to drive out to your local substation, flip the switch, and then drive, and then come back when it's time to switch you back on, which is why sometimes the times of load shedding are very odd. Uh, John, what should be done about this? This is not sustainable for the country's economic heartland. Mm. So I, I think here in Johannesburg, what we're also seeing is that, and we're both residents of Johannesburg, so we, we've got personal experience of this, unfortunately, uh, that load shedding stages are also a window of opportunity for criminals. So the higher the load shedding stage, the more hours there are on the day when you can actually uh, get to the equipment while it is offline, and strip it. I think that in order to address this problem, um, addressing the vandalism is going to be really important. I think City Power wants to rope in uh, residents and, and security companies to help do this because they haven't got the capacity to secure all of the network. But what I think is also necessary is to look at syndicates and gangs because probably there's a, going to be a Pareto rule uh, applying to this where 80% of this vandalism and theft is being done by 20% of the perpetrators. So those are the 20% you need to catch. And then, you know, you, you sort of work your way down the scale uh, to, to get rid of as many of these people as possible. Um, I think it's mostly not opportunistic. I think it's mostly organized. So you've got to go after the organized guys uh, and, and take them out of the equation. And I'm sure that there are probably at least a couple of individuals within City Power itself or within the contractors mm. who are hired by City Power who are involved in these gangs and who are creating work for themselves, who are vandalizing the network and then being paid to repair it which definitely it's a similar system to, to what's been going on in ESCOM, and that needs to be cracked down on immediately if we're to make any progress fixing this stuff. Um, okay, well, I think that is all the time we have for today, so we hope that you found this interesting, and that's a wrap.